Welcome back to the Therapist in Motion podcast series. Dan and Paul here. Uh, we are blessed to continue to be able to podcast with Greg Johnson and Ryan Johnson from the Institute of Physical Art. We're going to do a special topic here. Oftentimes, we run into patients where we may not know what to do. Uh, it's something that we aren't familiar with, and we haven't time to had we have not had time to research it. Greg, you've treated patients for a long time. I'm sure you've run into this scenario, but often my guess is, is you got the following question. Greg, can you help me with this? Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. All right, Greg. So let's, let's give our listeners a real life practical example of a time that you encountered a patient that you did not know what to do. Well, I've had many of those, but there's one that really stands out because it was out of the box for me. And it was really out of the box for physical therapy. It was in 1980. I had just opened up a private practice in Marin County. And I was treating in a husband and wife team who had been in a rear-end car accident and uh, both of them suffering a lot with neck and back pain. On about the third visit, uh, when the woman of this team came in for her treatment, her eyes were completely red. And I asked her, what's going on? You look like you've been crying. And she said, Greg, I just got to let you know, Bob and I have been trying to get pregnant for a long time. And I just got my period. And the doctor's done everything he can. And he's basically saying that I have no chance of getting pregnant. Well, this is back in 1980. They had just started doing some in vitro fertilization. There were some injections. Not as successful as what we have today. And she said, is there anything you can do for me? Well, I got to tell you. I don't believe there's a thing I could do for her on the surface. But you know what? looked at a woman who was in such distress and her life at this time was going in a direction that just wasn't good for her. And all I could think inside is I would do anything if I could have the tools or the skills to help her. So I said, um, maybe, what if we plan next week on your visit, you come in have Bob in the room with you and I'll do what I can. She left and that night I left thinking, I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. I didn't have a sense, but I spent the week studying and I couldn't go on the internet back then. <laughs> I had to go to library. U UCSF library in which I spent hours studying woman's reproduction, understanding what it took, finding out exactly everything that was known at that time about it. When she came in, uh, I used the basic paradigm that is the foundation of our approach, is that the healthy state of tissues and organs is that in which it has mobility and a springy end feel. A dysfunctional state is when it lacks that. A efficient state of an 
of an organ or a muscle is when it is soft at rest. A dysfunctional state is when it's hard. So I started out just palpating her uterus. And I found that her uterus was in a lot of spasm. I also noted that it was completely adhered down posteriorly to the sacrum. And so all I did was utilizing normal soft tissue techniques that I'd used on hamstrings and psoases and other tissues on that uterus. And all of a sudden, after about 15 minutes of just gentle uh, intervention, it softened and became mobile. I then was able to find her ovaries, which were also like shrink wrapping wrapped around them, and got them soft found her fallopian tubes, and I got to tell you, I didn't believe I would ever be able to feel a fallopian tube and was able to find dysfunctions in those. Uh, when she stood up, she said she felt so different and her posture of her pelvis completely changed. Uh, and some of the back pain that she had been experiencing from her car accident had reduced. Two months later, she was pregnant and they were absolutely convinced that it was that intervention that I had done. I didn't know what I was doing, but I cared enough for her to try. Uh, we couldn't charge the insurance company. They had to pay cash for that. It would have been unethical to ask the car insurance company to pay for that. So they paid cash for that visit. And it changed the direction of my future because I never had a problem presented me that at least I wasn't willing to try because of that one success. Since then, uh, both of you have taken the FM2 class. You got to see me do a treatment there. We've had nine women who were going through infertility that we've treated in the last 15 years. Who, we, who believe that the reason they got pregnant shortly after the class was the intervention that we did in a demonstration that we do during that class. And we've got many, many more clinically that we have that we would put into those categories. So those of you out there, just don't be afraid. Don't do things that would hurt someone, but have underlying philosophies that would guide you and be willing to take that chance to help someone whose life is being totally impacted by a problem that they're having. I have to say, this is probably the third or fourth time I've heard this story, and it tugs at my heart every single time you tell it because that is truly multiple life-changing for the husband, wife, and then the person that entered into the world. So, um, God, it's just... That, that is the, that's just unbelievable power. Um, and, and thank you for sharing that and thank you for taking that, those, those countless studying textbooks and, and, and getting familiar with something that you were truly unfamiliar with yep. um, to truly help that person's life and, and, and the, all those other families that you've helped throughout the courses and, and, and the people that your um, residents and fellows have been able to do the same thing um, throughout this country and, and and I really think that that power is is so far beyond anything that we can ever imagine so thank you for telling that story I hope You're that welcome. our listen, listeners feel at least compelled to do something different 
after that story, even if it's not related to, to women's health and, and trying to help somebody, uh, you know, get a, a mobile uterus if you've never touched a uterus before, um, but at least feel driven to do something differently because a patient asks or it doesn't fit the mold. So, you know, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. It, 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 it's truly powerful. Thank you. Greg, I think that the power of storytelling can help a lot of people, including our listeners, connect with the path and the journey that you've had over your tenure treating patients. There are so many times that we as physical therapists say, no, not going to treat that, or I'm not willing to treat that. As we were discussing, you know, during a, a brief break, you know, your son Ryan alluded to, to some life-changing situations that you've had where you've truly stepped outside your comfort zone to help a patient. So can you elaborate one more time and give the listeners one more story? You know, Dan, I think we always uh, learn through stories, uh, through case studies, uh, what has happened to someone else. And you mentioned that one of the places that you never planned to treat as a physical therapist was the coccyx. Well, I share that with you. Uh, I was wait, in, wait, wait. I'm not sure I can truly believe this. No, this is true. This story. In 1980, I took a class from Ola Grimsby, his uh, pelvic girdle class in Park City. Beautiful place. Ola says... Now, there are those patients that you have that have coccididia, painful coccyx. And he says, if you'd like to come back tonight, I'll be happy to sh demonstrate for you the internal mobilization you need to do for that. Well, I can tell you, when I left that place, I didn't go back. <laughs> I had no desire to have anybody practice on me or for me to practice on anybody else. In fact, I didn't even want to see somebody do this. So as this whole group were laughing because we knew Ola was sitting by himself in the classroom wondering if anybody was going to show up to learn how to do an internal coccyx mope, I made the pledge that I will never touch a coccyx. Now, many of you out there listening to me right now probably had some of those similar thoughts. Well, for me... 1983 came along and I went into my general practitioner's office and I looked around and I noticed it had been this way for a while, but I just didn't notice that his receptionist, Maxine, didn't have a chair back behind her counter. All of her counters and workspaces were upright. And I said, Maxine, how come you don't have any chairs back there? She actually got tears in her eyes and she said, Greg... I fell on my butt about three years ago and I fractured my tailbone and I can no longer sit. My husband and I have had to move down here to Mill Valley and because I can't even ride in a car anymore. I have to walk to work. And she says, the doctor that I went to last week thinks he needs to go in and cut it out. Coxectomy. Well, 
When I was in PT school, I worked as a PT aide on evenings and weekends. And one patient that I had to treat was a woman post-coxectomy. And she lost her bowel and bladder control. She had multiple different problems. The only thing that was resolved is she could now sit. She no longer had coccyx pain. So it was successful as a surgery for eliminating it, but the ramifications were dramatic. So here I was stuck again. And I looked at her and she said, Greg, do you think you could help me? <sighs> that question again. There I am. I'm on the cliff. Do I help somebody who's standing there and try my best to see if I couldn't get her away from a coxectomy? Or do I keep with what was my predetermined direction in my life? My goal was to never touch a coccyx. And uh, I decided that I was going to try. So I scheduled her for the next week and did exactly the same thing I shared in the last story about, about the uh, uterus. I went and studied the coccyx. I reviewed it. I started palpating most of my patients. When Maxine came in, her sacral coccygeal joint was completely dislocated. And just touching it was so painful. And I put her in prone and I just spent probably 15 minutes just with gentle pressure around there. And it was amazing. She'd say, oh, Greg, it just feels like it's letting go. You know, it feels like the pain is starting to go away. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew she had a hard end feel and that the joint wasn't moving like some of the others that I'd felt. So after the half hour of treatment on it, she got up and she was able to sit down for the first time in three years since her injury without pain. Didn't take it away, but she was better. She came in for two more visits and we still made progress, but on, a, on her first adventure out to go to San Francisco, uh, she got some pain by the time she got to San Francisco and she had difficulty sitting in the restaurant. So she came back in and said, Greg, is there anything else you can do? I did not want to do an internal mobilization. <laughs> there is nothing inside of me that, that had any desire to do this mobilization that Ola Grimsby had talked about. But I said, yes, as I held my nose. <laughs> and I said, you need to bring your husband in for the next visit. And I set her up at seven in the morning the next day. And she came in and we did an internal mobilization, my very first. But the structures weren't any different. It really wasn't that difficult. And when we got done, she said, Greg, I wish you'd done that all the time. It was a lot less painful than anything else you'd done. While I was in there, I was able to feel some of the other segments and able to correct them and really get the anterior soft tissues mobile. She called me the next day and said, Greg, I have sat for hours and I have no pain. The end of the story is, is Two months later, I got a postcard from Paris. It was her, one of her bucket list was that she wanted to go to Paris, but knew she would never be able to, and it was a thank you. 
that was worth getting over my own hesitancy of doing something. All right. Yeah. Well, that 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 pow- that story is equally as powerful <laughs> as the first story you shared, and you know, I think that listening to stories on this level is some way for our listeners to feel a true connection to this profession and hopefully find some inspiration because it's not every day that you get to hear a story like that. Um, So again, thank you very much for sharing that story with us and our listeners.